0: What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. If you caught the last episode, then you know what's coming up in today's episode. It's part two of my interview with Bastian from Zeal Guitars. We go into a whole bunch more information about some of the models that Zeal offers, some of the cool stuff that they are doing out there. Start to talk a little bit more about where these guitars kind of fit in the guitar world going forward and with the tastes of guitarists these days as they're evolving. And, you know, kind of from that start to break down a little bit wider stuff about how the future's looking from a guitar builder's perspective, um, how the guitar market's looking, how guitar world, guitar music, all of this stuff is kind of looking as we go forward. So without further blabbing on from me, I'll dive straight back into part two of my interview with Bastian from Zeal Guitars. The Twixter was the first one I saw kind of caught my eye there, Um but I wanted to ask you about the Hydra body shape that you do as well. Um, like, I know it's always fun talking to guitar builders who do so much custom work because it really is just like the body shape and everything else is so is so changeable. But the Hydra is more aimed at, I guess, quote-unquote modern or progressive players, right?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, you don't get the the
0: traditional players to uh to buy that guitar <laughs> <laughs> no too i guess it's too uh it's too wild or too much of a pointy guitar as some of them would say if if it's kind of for mormon players but um w- why did that come about did you just feel like that's of growing interest to musicians or were there particular musicians that you wanted to work with in more in that genre uh,
1: it depends honestly when i when i came up with this um shape of I- didn't have any um, particular customer in mind or particular musician or style of music mm-hmm. so um, I really went yeah just with a with a shape that i liked and um, which I thought is works yeah harmonically and uh, it's just an ergonomically good design and, and works well as a guitar shape and mm-hmm. um, later I realized what uh, <laughs> what my targeting group was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just build a couple of guitars with this shape and um then um then more and more musicians started approaching me and it is as you said it's more the, the progressive players um yeah, from from rock to yeah maybe progressive metal. I think this is maybe the targeting group but um this this shape is so versatile. I mean, you can uh, you can turn it into a seven-string multi-string guitar uh, for the progressive shredder, shredders, um, mm-hmm. but you can also equip it with some some nice uh, woods, some some cool the maple uh, fancy finishes and whatever, um, and you are more with the with the classic rock guys, and um, still this is this is. Um, a shape that, that many people find attractive, but uh, not everybody can see themselves playing playing it on stage because it looks so so differently, you know, with this rounded shape and um mm-hmm. yeah, it's not like um like this this common guitar that everybody is used to. And this is something that I found pretty interesting. So they're more like for the individualists the mm-hmm. guitar uh, scene.
0: Yeah, some if they if if they're looking for something a little bit different, um but is that isn't that a weird thing? like I kind of find this more and more weird and and I obviously I do this myself. You associate certain guitars and like certain looks of guitars with certain genres, mm-hmm. and like you say, you end up with some players they can't see themselves playing this or they can't see themselves playing that, but um, watching like professional guitarists, they actually break out of that quite a lot and get some of their best tones not following those rules um like i went to see a black metal band once where the guy was using like a fender amp and like a gibson es guitar um and he just you know he had a pedal board but he only had like three pedals on it and it just and it sounded you know kind of slightly different but really 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 good um and there's another metal band i follow where the guy used to use kind of you know uh two humbucker guitars forever and then he switched to using strats and he's still got this like soldano and like tons of gain, but he's got way more clarity because of the the strat. And um, it kind of suits his playing style in a way. And he found the body shape more comfortable. And I find that professionals actually break out of that set mindset. and But it's we as like kind of amateur customers will be oh, I can't play that guitar, this kind of ergonomic modern guitar, because that's for like Tosin Abasi or someone, but I have to play a Strat because I play blues. As a builder, someone who's like really in touch with building these things at the core, do you find that a bit weird that customers aren't a bit more kind of open in that way? Uh, Not anymore. (laughs) Because
1: um, (laughs) I found this uh, guitar market so conservative. I never expected that. But... um, I guess there are also those those two sides, uh, as we we discussed earlier, that um, there are some radical uh, designed guitars, and um, mm-hmm. they sell at certain um, certain customers. On the other hand, you have this this icons of the guitar market um, that have been there for decades and everybody wants to sound like a certain hero from back in the days or wants to to look like a certain guitar hero from back in the days and this only works with some of those iconic guitars so i really don't find it um, find it weird anymore um i have the impression that uh, bass players are a little more open minded towards new shapes mm-hmm. and and um, experimenting a little more but I also have the impression that this is is getting more and more open-minded on the guitar market as well. Since you have so yeah. many new builders, like, I mean, Strandberg was the, uh, really a, a good example for that. He changed the, the way of, of looking at Headless Guitars forever. <laughs> you know, Headless yeah. Guitars, which is some ugly relics from the 80s. <laughs> uh, and right now he turned it into cool progressive guitars that, like... A, a toes in a buzzy or whatever a, a guy is playing yeah and uh, really renewed this this genre of the headless guitar and um so i think guys like him really um really um, set the, the the minds of many players to be a little more open towards new shapes and new ideas because um yeah i mean those old guitars are are just great the way they are don't don't get me wrong i mean there's a reason for for why they've been around for so many years since the 50s but mm-hmm. um there's still so much potential of developing this this instrument in, in so many ways and it would be a pity just to uh, to be limited to the uh you know the possibilities of uh the guys in in the 50s who designed those those instruments they just didn't knew better but right now we do Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it would be a pity not to to use some some new techniques like you know multi-scale uh uh, two temperament (laughs) frets, whatever uh, ever-tune bridges you know whatever um um, uh, inventions that they were in the last year so
0: Mm -hmm. might as well take advantage of them
1: yeah it would be good to be a, a little more more open but yeah, I still see see uh, some bands making the most progressive music and still staying playing, you know, Telecasters <laughs> guitars that yeah. their grandparents would have used. So yeah, which isn't isn't wrong, but yeah, it's just a little, little weird. But I don't wonder about that anymore.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's it. I feel like probably once you've been building guitars for people for any amount of time. That probably you you feel like there's not a a thing to fight against because it's so, it's so in there. I definitely think it's changing. Yeah, I think you're right. The way it's opening up in terms of body shapes. I think you're right as well. The base has been a little bit quicker to that. If you look at all the companies that even just very specifically build these ergonomic super ultra contemporary shapes from like Mar Marlo, Adamovich, F Base, Dingwall, all these guys. It's it's like there's a lot there and guitar is definitely getting more and more that way. Um, but it still feels a little bit set genre-wise, whereas I feel like bass, you'll see guys in just like straight up jazz trios playing these basses just because they go, yeah, it's the most comfortable bass. But the guitarist is still playing a Strat or a jazz box or a Les Paul. He's not standing <laughs> exactly. there with like a fan fret guitar from uh you know, a, a smaller builder or a bigger company going, yeah, it's just it's just the most comfortable. Um yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing. Um especially in terms of ergonomics where it really shouldn't be about anything to do with genre because <laughs> it's just yeah. your, it's your yeah, body you know, people in metal don't have like physiologically different bodies to yeah. like jazz players. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they are <laughs> oh, yeah, or maybe they do maybe metal players are a different species of person (laughs) (laughs) overall who knows um and so new guitar conspiracy theory for you but um (laughs) yeah it's it's cool to see that it it is changing a little bit um i hope it keeps going that way because that's also how you get new sounds which is why i think the players innovate on that because i feel like you know like you, you were so right that for the people who get stuck on that it's about wanting to recreate something like i have to have a strat because so and so had a strat and that's the sound whereas a player is thinking of their you know they're kind of business like almost they're like what's the ne- what's the sound of our new record going to be like okay it needs to be this well then i need to experiment and put everything on the table and if that means i end up playing jazz with an ENG 8581 set because that's what i want then that's what i do and it kind of goes like that um maybe we should all do a little bit more it would be more interesting <laughs> <laughs> a little bit um i was wondering as well with um your building we talked about the crazy materials but for all the models like the hydra and the tweakster um as as a guitar builder woods are pretty important to you um do you feel like whether it's the more traditional materials or experimenting with the new materials or the shapes do you feel um like the most experimentation and the most kind of new ideas of pairing different materials comes from the smaller builders or do you feel like it comes pretty equally from bigger companies and and smaller builders to kind of change the market a little bit
1: good question i think the smaller builders tend to do a lot more experiments because they just can afforded um because right, right. The, the bigger companies don't have the flexibility of um of doing a lot of experiments that way um and maybe they uh, the, the smaller builders are like the the ones that give the the impulse for the, the industry to to change because um right now some i don't know if it's a, a trend or something but um, more and more builders are um are leaning towards uh, domestic tone woods and uh are leaving mm-hmm. this this tropical segment um more and more uh which I do as well and which many of my customers are um are into. Um because it's just not necessary to use any tropical woods. It's just really something that many people have in mind that uh, a great guitar must have uh, a rosewood fretboard or an ebony fretboard and mm-hmm. um, don't come to the conclusion that it's, there might be a, a, just a perfect domestic wood that might be um, just as good or maybe even better than than any tropical hardwood you can use. Here. Yeah, And yeah. Um, I think this is something that um, that the industry also realized. Maybe also uh, since this uh, the CITES regulations changed, um, mm. it got more and more uh, of a hassle of exporting uh, guitars with rosewood or um, any any kind of uh, Dalbergia species, um, and this is what gave the the impulse of changing something here. But um, yeah, I'm really decreasing slowly decreasing my uh, my stock of of tropical wood because it's as I said it's not necessary and it's it's becoming more and more easy to convince the customers of just using a domestic wood instead of a tropical wood Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I think the the most um, um, most inventions still still are happening at the smaller builders and then Later, the industry realizes the potential of certain ideas, and um, they they uh, you yeah, know keep it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting because there's like a a kind of a bit bit of a back and forth. Like the smaller builders have a, have a bit of room to experiment because, like like we said earlier, that's almost a bit of a part of the market. You're trying to present something in this pretty busy space with lots of builders, so you find your way to, to stand out. So that obviously makes experimenting part of what you do. But the bigger companies you'd think would also have more reason to experiment because, you know, they've got the resources to, mm. you know, employ a bunch of people to spend time. If you look at like the early developments, you know, True. um it, it's the same thing. Um I almost think about like the pickups, you know, the Raybutz and the Filtertron and Seth mm. and and the and the PAF. It's almost the same thing where uh, one happens at a big company because they can employ like a, a a real like genius to, okay, you go and invent something for this whilst we carry on building guitars. But also you've got a small guy can do it because he's on this kind of ground level working one-to-one with a musician going, okay, what do you need? Okay, that's my job. I'll figure it out, which is kind of the position smaller builders are in um, a little bit as well.
1: Um, yeah, but maybe it's, got harder for the bigger companies because they have to make profit and uh, everything is like dedicated of making more profit. And um, I think employing somebody uh, who's just there for making new designs, new improvements, new uh, inventions on guitars costs a lot of money and uh, they have to do the the whole marketing and maybe uh, changing their uh, production lines or whatever. Uh, to get mm-hmm. those uh, those inventions um, into their their guitar lines, and maybe it's just not not worth the hassle because um, they're just where they are now, making those instruments they ever made, like since the fifties, and um, why change uh, change the running system? and Maybe this is the problem, and um, yeah, so mm-hmm. so still. Um, if they, they see something um that really makes makes sense or where they they uh, find that they can more make more profit out of it like mm-hmm. uh, not using tropical woods or maybe using uh, a certain hardware platform from this and there and um they will certainly do it but um i think in the 50s maybe they were more open towards new ideas and uh, invention made more sense because it wasn't advantage uh they can get towards their uh competitors and right now this market is so saturated everybody of the big players basically doing the same mm-hmm. maybe it's just not worth it anymore
0: i th- I think that's right They've, they're always going to do that calculation which isn't necessarily going to be the same for for smaller builders they're always going to have to do that calculation of how much does the experimentation cost and yeah. if we can't if we don't have it very likely that we make it back, they're not going to do it. Um, Yeah. Whereas in the fifties, the whole thing was experimentation because they were, they were writing the rule book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of the whole going to work was an experiment for guitar building back then. Um, One thing that is weird though, is I've noticed with the wood, let's say the wood thing specifically uh, is in moving away from just getting the normal sources of wood The acoustic builders, uh, uh, big companies, are doing a better job than the electric ones. Like Taylor and Martin both have like a really (coughs) big pro their own big projects to do with Mm. changing the way they get wood and and kind of like owning the wood supply side so that they can control how sustainable it is. Isn't that weird that you don't really see that at all from? Like Fender and Gibson, but you do see it from Taylor and Martin. It's kind of weird.
1: Now that you say it, yeah, it is. <laughs> maybe <laughs> because there are not so many domestic um, alternatives for uh, for tropical hardwoods on acoustic guitars. I mean, there are, but there may be a lot more limited um, mm. because maybe a Taylor guitar wouldn't sound like a Taylor guitar if they didn't use rosewood back and sides and an ebony right. board and. Um, uh, I mean, they try to, um, also Martin did with using those, uh, rich light redboards and, uh, and bridges mm-hmm. and, um, using different materials like artificial materials for the back and sides, but it's mm-hmm. just not the same. And, um, I guess this will take a lot more time, um, to get the idea into the customer's, uh, imagination that, um, um, very expensive acoustic guitar it doesn't necessarily have to have tropical uh, woods for back and sides, or you know, such a, a fancy fretboard. Because um, maybe I'm I'm not so familiar with uh, with um, those experiments on, on different woods for acoustic guitars. But um, anybody spending like ten grand on an acoustic guitar, maybe insists on having solid. Tropical hardwood back and sides and and fretboard and doesn't want to have anything, you know, engineered or um, or anything else than than this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are many um, many uh, inventions taking place in this area because there are um, companies working on modifying wood, domestic wood like I don't know maple. Um, Uh, oak or whatever to get Mm -hmm. the the same uh, properties uh, sound wise uh, as you would have them on on rosewood or ebony or uh, other um, exotic species but Mm -hmm. um i think this will will take more time for um for the industry to get to that point where they can can use it and takes a lot more marketing and educating the customer that it doesn't have to be this sort of wood and um Maybe the uh, electric guitars are are a bit uh, bit more uh, upfront when uh, in this in this topic, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and maybe the acoustic guitar market is still a lot more conservative than the electric guitar market.
0: That could be exactly what it is. I mean, you know, people still like to yell at each other about tone wood when it comes to electric guitars don't get me wrong but um on acoustic guitars it's still you know definitely much more important in people's minds so yeah. you could absolutely be right there um and that's the two parts of it you got to develop do the experiments and develop something and go yep this works as a body wood. this works as this is a perfect for this is perfect for fretboards. this is perfect for this that's the first part you the builder or the company has to be convinced and in part two, which probably takes a lot longer, is convincing idiots like me <laughs> when when we read a spec sheet not to go, "Oh, it doesn't have a mahogany body; it's never gonna work." You've got to convince yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes more time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, we're pretty stupid breed as guitars, so you have to really get out like a whiteboard and draw some diagrams. You know? <laughs> And I still won't be convinced. You know, you can tell me that it has the exact same density and hardness of ebony, and it looks the same. But I'll, uh... and and you can, yeah, you can even do a blind test and show me that no one can tell the difference, and I'll still go. Oh, I can tell the <laughs> difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, the guitars are a very emotional thing, and not, not
0: always rational. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. I kind of. I like to make the jokes about it, but. Some people get really upset about it. And I don't because it's like it's it's attached to music. Like, of course, it's not rational. Um, yeah. e- e- the whole thing isn't like e- even what kind of guitar you want. You'll do all this rationalizing in your head. You go, well, I'm playing this kind of music and I got this kind of amp. So I want to do this. And we think we're being smart, you know. Oh, and, you know, if I've got this kind of pickups in it, I think maybe this kind of tone would, would go better. And still underneath at the very bottom of it is we watched some live gig or some music video 20 years ago mm. and we're still obsessed with that guitarist or that tone. And that's the thing in the back of our heads, which is like the foundation of the whole thing, as much that's as we want to rationalize
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: Um, another thing I talk about here a lot, speaking of being obsessed with guitar, is... um. You know, I feel pretty positive about where guitar is going. You know, it's been like a lot of negative. It's always like being irrational. Guitar people being death of guitar and guitar music's dying and stuff like that. I, I don't see it that way. I feel pretty positive. I see like kind of the stuff we've been talking about, a bunch of cool new guitarists playing a lot of different types of guitars in different types of ways and kind of expanding. But I like to ask people who are much more... Uh, knowledgeable than me in in different parts of the industry. Um, How how do you see it? Do you see guitar as being in a strong place or are you going to tell me that guitar is dying and it's all going to be over in 10 years?
1: Uh, (laughs) I hope it's not dying. (laughs) um,
0: I think it definitely won't because
1: um, maybe it has to do something with uh, the whole music industry changing. Maybe this whole... Hmm. um, this whole way that we consume music today is now different than it was twenty years ago, when or no longer, uh, twenty five years ago when I started um, playing the guitar. Uh, we still mm-hmm. bought CDs. I mean, uh, those vinyl uh, um, vinyl was uh, not not really uh, in at that time still buying cds a lot going to to concerts a lot and i think now the the consumption of music is different we don't buy albums anymore we just download certain titles on spotify and Mm -hmm. um also the the music here they play on radio is just more more artificially produced like uh like they have a certain algorithm of what could be a hit and what sells and this doesn't have to do much with the uh, creativity of, of making music and um, this is more like uh, artificial industry music and it doesn't matter if it's been played with a with a guitar or with a synthesizer or just with a computer of creating different sounds but um, this is not where I see the, the future of the guitar I think maybe in, in terms of popular music the guitar is um, doesn't have that um, that importance anymore but um in terms of making making great creative music together with other people uh you know creating a band creating rock music creating something unique or something that that just feels good that is an expression of yourself uh, Mm -hmm. this is something where i definitely see the guitar forever because it's it's such an such an comfortable instrumented that way you can can take it with you anywhere if it's an acoustic guitar you can play it anywhere um you can can bring people together very easily you can learn it very easily uh, at the beginning you know just need to know four chords and you can play like 50 percent of the whole um, history of pop music <laughs> and um, yeah this was what makes the, uh, the access to to music or making music for many people so easy in which brings people together in that way and i guess that would never die and it's just yeah. an, an evolution of the, the music industry and um, maybe also the way that uh, music is being made right now and yeah it's it's not like like i'm in total panic that the guitar would die it's just changing the whole the whole industry is changing
0: i think that that's the that's the point it's not like guitar world sometimes we get stuck in guitar world and we think it's separate but it's attached to this whole industry and Mm -hmm. just because that's changing doesn't mean it's guitars getting kicked out it's just the whole industry is changing in every level not not just genre not just business but all of it um and that's going to affect where we see the guitar but like related to that um the other thing that some people get doom and gloom about is uh not naming any names but sometimes guitar builders in particular get really like cynical about the future i i don't i still never figured out exactly why um what the psychosis is in like guitar building world um <laughs> it's you know like it's kind of like rock is dead and they're like oh and all the guitar industry is gonna collapse and we're all gonna fail and <laughs> it's very weird um because you even hear from people who are like selling lots of custom guitars but they're still like oh it's it's the end times they're kind of like those people you see with like the sandwich boards. Uh, you see them more in the U.S., you know, and they say, like, the end is coming, and they're like, the end, <laughs> like, the end is coming. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So you see, Yeah, it's only going to be a matter of time before we see them at guitar shows, and it will turn out to be a builder. <laughs> but, like, are would you are you sympathetic to that viewpoint, or are you similarly kind of more nuanced and a bit more positive about guitar building specifically in the future?
1: uh no we're all doomed everybody should quit making guitars except <laughs> me <laughs> that's a pretty good business move actually Yeah, um, <laughs> no really i mean i've i can can share this this feeling because it's a it's a tough business you know making making <laughs> money and uh in guitar making isn't easy it takes a lot of time and effort and Still, you put so much work in it and and get so little out of it money wise um mm-hmm. that i'm i, I can't understand this this feeling of of you know of i think it's depression all the time and um yeah but this is something I definitely not share i mean um I'm not getting rich of making guitars but i'm I'm um, getting happy every day when I come to my shop and um just know that I can can make other people happy with uh, the work I do and uh, I get some satisfaction out of it um just by putting some some wood together and after 100 hours of hours of work I get a a great guitar with it, which I build with my own hands and this is this is such a great feeling of satisfaction that uh, keeps me keeps me going no no matter what or how sinister the future predictions are of this whole music industry and i don't know this is it's really some some state of mind maybe can okay. can um, can look towards the future with a little more of optimism and that um, all doesn't doesn't seem that that sinister and dark and yeah i mean we all got got a, a great profession here and maybe we should should remember that that it's it's not about the money or uh, this whole business or the industry it's it's about but us but but our our creation but uh, maybe a lifestyle that we chose years ago mm-hmm. when we started making guitars and tried to make a living out of it and um yeah this is what we should stick to and it's some some predictions of the future it works for most of us yeah. right <laughs>
0: amen to that i think that sounds that sounds great if yeah well i'm glad we recorded that because maybe we should just carry that around and and when the the like doom saying strikes in guitar building we could just play that and remind people Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's a great that's a great philosophy behind that as well um which is is worth remembering for sure uh, sounds good to me. And hey, especially at the moment, we need to keep the optimism going. So- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Bastian. Um, if people want to check out Zeal Guitars, where should they go and check you guys out?
1: You can go to uh, zeal-guitars.com or .de for the, the German site or just uh just look around at our facebook or instagram page um which is a little more up to date because i'm always uh, a little behind of uploading the, the new guitars on the website um yeah if you want to get in touch just uh, write me an email give me a call whatever i'll be happy to answer you, your questions
0: perfect excellent well i'll put all of the links in the description of the podcast as well so people can check them out there as well and um drool over some good guitar porn to make their day a bit better (laughs) 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 awesome well thank you so much for joining me again
1: thanks man, it was my pleasure
0: so that was the second part of my interview with Bastian from Zeal Guitars a massive thank you again to Bastian for joining me, uh, taking time out of a busy day, building cool guitars to come on and chat about the work he does and share some thoughts on what's going on in the land of guitars in this weird time and going forward really really cool I've got some more interviews with guitar builders coming up so if you're interested in that sort of thing hearing from people in the industry hearing from skilled craftsmen and people who've been in in this work for a long time uh, you're going to want to keep listening coming up real soon actually we've got some more interviews uh lined up already uh that are going to be coming out with some great builders as well so always really cool um i'm always so thankful that they come on and take the time because you know they're busy they're doing a lot of stuff anyway running a guitar building business is just like any business and it takes a lot of work they have a lot of different things to do every day uh and it's so cool that they actually come on and take the time to do this and have these kind of long form conversations as well it's, you know it's not just sending a guitar out or doing a quick video or something they're really you know sitting down for for a good long time like with this conversation doing doing these interviews which are split over several episodes because because they're all all decently long going into good depth and that's a really cool thing very generous with their time so i'm always really thankful for that and i hope that you guys enjoy it rather than just hearing from me some idiot bumbling on you can hear about someone who's actually in the industry and really knows what they're talking about and has some cool interesting insights and they're always slightly different because they all have their own unique stories of how they became builders and what they're into and why they started building and what they pay attention to most of all and stuff like that so always really cool plenty more of that coming up as well as a whole bunch of other stuff on the podcast and across axesandblades.com and on the axes and blades instagram facebook pages loads of good stuff across all of them so keep an eye out for stuff going on on there um and yeah definitely some more builder interviews coming up too so anyway hope you enjoyed that and yeah take care of yourselves take care of one another i'll catch you again tomorrow